Well, greetings again. I mean, this is a lot, right? <laughs> again, Noli, again? But you know, this time it is so special for me to be here and talking, just speaking with you, talking to you, speaking with you. You have come at an incredibly auspicious retreat. Some of you may not have even known it. In fact, I didn't even know it. (laughs) True. (laughs) But honestly, I, you know how you count your years and you go, I was born in, so then you count the year after, right? So I was convinced that the 25th year was next year. So I signed up for the retreat. (laughs) And then in the beginning of June, I got a call from someone at Spirit Rock and says, what do you want to do for the 25th year? And I go, got a year. And they said, no, now. (laughs) And my mind had, and Booker and I are going to be on the team next year, and this great idea all these wonderful things, flags everywhere, right? (laughs) And I actually found out on June 3rd. (laughs) And I think we're at, Bruni? July 2nd. (laughs) And so I started getting... I had a lot of things going on before I came to retreat, but something started to really move in me. And I knew somebody said, well, we could do it next year. And I said, I I really want to be respectful and honor this year's 25th anniversary of what was called the POC retreat, which is now called the BIPOC retreat. There is a long history In 1999 was our first retreat. It was small, few people, and now we have a wait list of over 150 people to get into this retreat. It's now a lottery system. And it is amazing for all of us to be here. Come on. And the history, just just as an introduction, well, let me just say, welcome to the 25th year anniversary of the BIPOC POC retreats. So thank you for being here. I'm going to turn it over to uh, Booker. So, dear ones, you might have noticed we have this amazing altar. And we had a couple of ideas. You know, Noli said, here are some pictures. And the staff here at Spirit Rock created this gorgeous, gorgeous altar for us. Amy, thank you so much. Amy has an incredible relationship to the plants, some of the rocks here on the land, and 
Um, this one rock particularly asked Amy to bring it inside. And so Amy also made sure that she asked permission of all of these plants before um, harvesting them. Some really said, please, please harvest me, please use me. So everything on this altar, um, all of the, you know, the plants were, were, you know, generosity freely offered of themselves. So thank you, Amy, so much for this. So we thought that we really, really wanted you all to see this altar. So we're going to do a similar procession as we did on that first morning with renunciation. We're going to go a little bit faster. So I think that because there are four sides of this altar, as we did before, if you could line up, for those of you who are able and who want to, line up coming down the aisle. And I think that what we'll do is, um, because there's four corners, so if I'm at one, the second I'm coming over to the second, the next person will come behind. And then I'm walking to the third, the next person will come behind. So at any given point, there should be four people encircling the altar, all right? So what we'll do is uh, you'll, should we go to the right or to the left? I always forget which is the correct way. <laughs> um, you, it circle ambulate would be an interest, and I, this way. Yes. Okay. Circle ambulate. So you'll walk to the left, you'll go around, and then all of us will enter this direction, all right? So this is the exit, and this around is how we enter in. Does that sound good? And we're not Be doing the yeah. most mindful walk. We're going to keep it moving, yeah. right? All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dear ones. So when you're ready, those are who are... Did you want to say something? Okay. So those of you who are in the back row who, are, who want to come up and see this altar, if you could stand up and start coming down the aisle... And we'll do it row by row so that everyone, so we'll have a line in the aisle the whole time. So come on down. And so as the row behind you stands up, we want to go ahead and make sure that this is, uh, that the line is flowing.
Thank you for witnessing. In ritual, that is an important aspect of that honoring, paying homage. Thank you. Thank you, Booker. I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of the POC BIPOC retreats. As you know, oftentimes Spirit Rock is called the upper middle way. And for a very, very long time, there were only a sprinkling of BIPOC people inside dominant culture um, retreats. Um, And through much um, work, hard work, the first BIPOC retreat was done, uh, was offered in 1999. Very small, as I was about to say. Very small. But it was beginning to bring people in the door, right? And finding um, what we call safe and brave spaces to practice and to actually lean into the Dharma. Throughout its history, it has taken on some different um, landscapes. In uh, 2002, Spirit Rock um, offered or an all-African-American retreat, the first ever in any part of this country. 96 beds filled. Teachers from all traditions were here. Zen, Tibetan, uh, Norwegian, um, Pure Land. All of us were here. And then in 2004, they decided to have an all-Asian American retreat with a team of renowned teachers here, all beds filled, amazing teachers on, on the dais. Continuing to have POC retreats until we began to change the name to BIPOC retreats, and at the time, of course, again, small up until I don't remember the exact date, Bruni, when we went to lottery. Not sure. Maybe before that, maybe a little before that, when I had my episode of being in the lottery. (laughs) More on that later. It was a little earlier than that, but I'm not sure exact date, but it became so in demand. And it's not like, oh, I'm clamoring to get to the POC or the BIPOC retreat. It was that the immense suffering that we were faced with on an everyday basis was compounding on our souls and really saying to us, we need a place of refuge. And in 2019, we decided to put on a black teachers of black and African descent Gathering number two. The first one was done at Union Theological in New York. And what we did here at Spirit Rock is we brought in 60, 70 
um, black Buddhist teachers for a week. And it was a phenomenal, all in a circle in this big hall. And then we decided that was five days, and on the Saturday and Sunday, we invited black Buddhist practitioners. And so we had over 300 people on Saturday and Sunday with buses that actually brought people here for convenience, for Spirit Rock made collard greens, you know. (laughs) And black eyed peas. I mean, (laughs) it was that type of honoring. And it was profound, profound. And I'll show you some, a, a picture of that. And here we are. And, and, and then let me just move forward. In 2020, we had to go online. Didn't know how that would work. Screen after screen after screen after screen. Filled. And in about 2019... Um, it was decided that Spirit Walk was going to open up a second BIPOC because it just made sense. You know, you have, let's say, rounding up as the accountant and me, 100 people and 200 on wait list. Deductive logic said, therefore, we needed another retreat. So we began then to start talking about a BIPOC meta retreat. And lo and behold, the pandemic hit, and in 2020, We had two online retreats, the regular BIPOC retreat and the BIPOC Metta retreat, and beautifully filled. In fact, the 2020 BIPOC retreat was announced and funded by an outside funder, and people could come in, and it was more than 500 people. 21 was also online, and then we began to come back in 22, and look at us now. 2023, and you are part of this lineage. You're part of this history. Please take this really with you. Hold it tenderly and and with, with care. Bruni, want to add anything on history? Thank you, Nolly. Yes, well, I had the good fortune to meet many dear friends that till this day are part of a family of very, very dear friends. And Nolly, Nolly Way is one of, is one of them. We met here. This is, this is what this practice does. It brings, it brings us back home. You know, there's there's a sense of the friendships that that we make in this path. You know, for me throughout the years, because my first BIPOC retreat as a yogi, I th- think it was um, the second, the second, you know, two thousand, yeah, two thousand. And since since then, I was I was very consistent for you know like the first maybe ten, fifteen years, something like that. 
And it provided a refuge to see how it is possible that a practice and that everything can be welcome from our lives when we come together to practice. There's something, I don't know if you feel the same way that you feel when you arrived uh, seven days ago, but just how you've been walking around today and maybe talking to each other. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know, I just, I just, I just, there's an energy of, there's an energy of connection that was not here when you, we started, right? I'm like, Nolly and I, we were talking about this and we remember, Nolly was reminding me of, of the, the bowing and the not, you know, like, keeping the container of silence and not looking at, at anyone. And wow, did that change throughout the years of, you know, really understanding what was about and really seeing that that level of intimacy can, is really possible to cultivate it in silence. So... All these different sanghas, you know, different friends that, you know, have created groups, Kalyanamita groups outside. I still sometimes meet with, with some of those, those groups that, that, I, that I met back in those um, last year, you know, early years. And, and so it has been a very healing, very healing and I just hope that, <clears throat> like Nolly said, that as you continue with your practice and you take this, take it in, and that is a reference point for you, <clears throat> because it has been like that for me. I'm here, had no idea. It's very different right now. There were very few. I was the only one. At some point, I just couldn't do it. I would not be here if these retreats would not have continued. It's just that simple. Yeah. And both Bruni and I started, uh, we, our first retreat was in the year 2000. So we have been on this campus for 24 years. And still coming back. As not only um, a teacher, but a practitioner as well. So what I'd like to do is offer a slideshow so you can see, and I'm going to say marvel, <laughs> at the people who have come before you. And so this is the retreat of 2003. Yes, some people will have to move in order to see. And as you can see, in the very back row, there's a little person actually on my tiptoes. And, <laughs> and that's me. And there's Bruni in the front. And over to the left is Ruth King. And in the very bottom, in a little white shirt, is Imiko. And she was just very, very young. And it was 20 years ago. This was a retreat in 2008. 
and there's spring and bunte and a mo there's just a sea of people what a difference from 2000 and what a difference from 2000 really this is the 20th anniversary and what happened gulu is in there as well and bonte and larry and gina and amana and kanda and they had the 20th anniversary and on the very last day they had um a day long at the cmc and so the last day everyone came together and this is the photo This is 2019, the black teacher of, the Buddhist teacher of black and African descent. We had a drone take a picture of us. <laughs> Over 300 people of black practitioners. And here are our keynote speakers. There's Angel Jan Willis, um, Angela, uh, Jan Willis was a keynote speaker. Angela Davis was a keynote speaker. There's Conda Mason, myself, and Miyoke Kane Barrett, and we were the organizers. Angel Coyote Williams, Reverend Angel. 2002 African American Retreat. 2002 POC Retreat. 2019 Buddhist teacher of black and African descent. George Mumford, 2002 African American retreat, 2006. Jan Willis, 2002 African American retreat, 2019 Buddhist teachers of black and African descent. Michelle Benjamin Mickey, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004 Asian American Retreat, 2005, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2011, 2012, 2013. Jaya Ridgard. 2015. Ralph Steele, 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002 African American Retreat, 2019 Buddhist Teachers of Black and African Descent. Gina Sharp, 2004 Multicultural Retreat. 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2010, 2011, 2018. Dara Williams, 2015. Spring Washam, 2006, 2009, 2013. 2014, 2017. Anushka Fernadopoli, 2007, 2010, 
2012, 2013, 2016. Bonnie Duran, 2014, 2016. Jack Cornfield, 1999, 2004 Multicultural Retreat. Nikki Nikifori, 2015. Joanna Hardy, 2012, 2016. Noliway Alexander, 2019, 2019 Buddhist teacher of black and African descent, 2020, 2022, 2023. Pavan Baraja, 2020, 2021. Devin Berry, 2022. Leslie Booker, 2023. Bonte Buddhirigita, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2017, 2018. Carol Cano. 2020, 2021, 2022. Bruni Davila, <laughs> 2019, 2022, 2023. Lisa Edmonds, 2021. Jeff Hosis, 2020. Kabir Hippolyte, 2022. Amana Brimley Johnson, 2021, 2022. Ruth King, 2017. Margarita Loines, 1999, 2000, 2020, 2021. Honda Mason, 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2002 African American Retreat, 2004 Multicultural Retreat, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2011, 2015, 2018, 2019, 2019 Black Teachers of Black and African Descent. Kamala Masters, 2000, 2004 Asian American Retreat, 2006. Don Mauricio, 2019. Young O, 2019. 2021. Lama Rod Owens, 2019. 
Jonathan Relucio. Ante Gudratana, 2003. Larry Yang. <laughs> 2004 Asian American Retreat. 2004 Multicultural Retreat. 2005. 2006, 2007, 2008, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2015, 2018. Today, Abdullah Romano, Romano, 2018. Ralph Gates, 2017, 2018. Don Scott, 2017. Galen Ferguson, 2002 African American Retreat, 2005. Mushim Akito, Akita, 2004 Asian American Retreat, 2009. Rachel Bagby, 2002 African American Retreat. Choyen Rangbrawl, 2002 African American Retreat. Alice Walker, 2002 African American Retreat, 2019 Buddhist Teachers of Black and African Descent. Ilda Gutierrez Borogan, 2002 African American Retreat. Miyoke Kane Barrett, 2009 Black Teachers of black and African descent. Josen Gibson, 2002. Zawazi Johnson, 2015. Joshua B. Alafia, 2022. Arawana Hayashki, 2004 Asian American Retreat. Aro Amamura, 2004, Asian American Retreat. Venerable Tenzin Kacho, 2004, Asian American Retreat. Jakusho Kwan Roshi, 2004, Asian American Retreat. 
Mayumi Oda, 2004 Asian American Retreat. Bavika Chan, 2004 African American, I mean Asian American Retreat. And these are our ancestors. Marlene Jones. Nineteen ninety-nine, two thousand, two thousand and one, two thousand and two, two thousand and two African American retreat, two thousand and three, two thousand and five. Shuhito Dharma, two thousand and two African American retreat. Rena Shikar, two thousand and four Asian American retreat. As you can tell, we stand on the shoulders of so many. 60 individual names have taught over 25 years. And just as I was, we were in here, and because I have my phone because of the music, I received a text from Larry Yang, and he said, feeling you now, 7.30 p.m., ringing the bell now. Wow. So what I'd like to do is open this up for our teachers to give some reflection as to what it is meant to be in these halls. And um, I don't know, maybe I'll begin and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was telling Bruni a story um, that really is indicative to this, to our, our cultural landscape that we've created here. In 2002, I'm sorry, in 2000, 24 years ago, was my first retreat. And my dear friend Ruth King said, you should come. And I said, hmm, okay. And I'd already been doing a lot of meditation. I had just come from living in like intentional community in the mountains of Colorado. And we did all of these wonderful things, right? Living off the grid and, you know, life as I know it. And um, so I was one of those, and I'm sure some of you remember, a dutiful yogi. Mm. <laughs> right? And at that time, we probably, we maybe had 18 people, 
maybe. Um, maybe tw- 23, maybe at the most. So we didn't have group discussions or individual uh, practice meetings. We met every evening in council in a circle right in the middle of the room. And our talking stick was the microphone. And so I just was, I really wanted to say something, but I thought I just can't. And I waited until the last night I was the last person to get the mic. I picked up the mic and I began to share what was deepest in my heart and that I had found some of the causes of my suffering. And I was just talking about it, not at any length, but just was feeling it and I started to do this um, incredible um, ugly cry. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a lot. And so I was crying and crying, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> I heard the bell. And it was in the middle of my catharsis. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I felt good because I felt brave enough to do it. So I left the hall and walked over to the bathroom. And right in the corner where the um, ADA bathroom is, there's the sink over there. So I, I kind of went into a little cocoon and continued my weeping. And then three women came to me. Our ancestor, Shahar Godfrey. Our ancestor, Olivia, I don't recall her last name, Latin American sister, and Alice Walker. And they took me and held me like a baby and allowed me to continue expressing what it was I had found so deeply in my soul. And what I realized over time and after going to many retreats that that would be nothing that would be allowed. But culturally, we cannot not care for each other. And then I felt better. I felt like I could, you know, move through the rest of the retreat, which was only a day or so. And at that time, we had seven-day retreats, I believe. And we were just so small. And at that moment, I was hooked. I had a ring in my nose and they could carry me anywhere. (laughs) It felt like I had fallen in love with myself and the Dharma. And I think it was, and I'm just going to look to be sure. Where is that? I just want to see something here. Hold on a second. Hmm. I don't, I don't see it, but there it is. Kamala Masters was at that retreat. Incredible teacher, right? Filipina, just deep, had done a lot of work with Menendeji, one of the um, Burmese teachers. And I actually was falling in love with her. So we were in a group discussion. 
I think we were in a group discussion. It might have been then or another time. And she, when we went around, she finally got to me and she said, um, how are you doing? And I said, I love you. <laughs> I hope this is not being recorded. And she said, oh, no, dear. <laughs> you love the Dharma. And I said, no, I love you. <laughs> and she said, so how's your practice? <laughs> and then every time that I had, you know, when she came to town, I would try to, to sit with her. <laughs> but I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that very first retreat, finding the, the courage to take that, that microphone and to sit the retreat so that I could go as deep as I, was, I could. And I was, you know, was an older adult and um, was able to actually find, as I was talking today, the pathway the road I took, and I was encouraged to continue on this path. So that's my story of the PLC retreat and why I just keep, keep returning, because I fell in love with myself. Thank you. I remember the very first retreat I came to here in, I think it was 2003, and um, I was the only person of color in the room, other, of course, than the Buddha. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't think much about it, really. You know, my life experience, I grew up in the Deep South, mostly white. I went to private schools that had you know, large white populations. I always had my family, extended family. You know, in India, it's like big support. Um, but I had this idea, like you know, I, I thrive in all spaces and I'm, everything's good. Uh, and then there used to be a sign out on the like as you walk towards the gate to leave here that said. Um, Something like, we embrace diversity. (laughs) And I was like, do you now? (laughs) And then I noticed that the sign had been kicked and punched and like kind of like generally abused. Uh, I had the impulse to add to that, but I didn't do it. And the first time I was in an infinity um, space, I think was was probably the dedicated practitioner program, so like 2013, something like that. And this was kind of a new concept to me. Like the teacher said, okay, now we're going to break up into affinity groups. So if you're a person of color and they talked about what that means, go over here. If you're not, go over here. 
And genuinely, I had some confusion about where I belonged. I thought, you know, because we had a whole discussion about privilege the day before, and I was like, I've had so much privilege. Um, but I went with the people of color group, actually, because I thought, well, you know, look at this face. <laughs> I can show up at a white group. <laughs> <laughs> and the experience was so profound. It's like, you know, the feeling of like, there's a really loud air conditioning unit and it's kind of faded into the background. Like you're not really aware that it's there. And then it turns off and there's like a profound silence. Like I just felt some part of me that despite my perception that I thrive in all spaces, just quieted down being in the, the POC space. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get this. And um, I really want to support this. I happened to be at sitting retreat here in 2016 when they introduced the first, with some controversy, I might add, affinity sits. Um, and so that's something I've really uh, been happy that we've been able to support. I feel like, you know, for all the history, like we've come such a long way, like these retreats, and then even at regular retreats, seeing more people of color show up, more people feeling welcomed in these spaces. Um, and then 2018, I was a trainee in that 20th anniversary retreat, and um, it was so beautiful. Like Larry organized this thing where we were here in the hall doing a regular retreat, and uh, Amana was hosting a day-long with... Um, it felt like there were more people there than in that picture. I think some people opted out of the picture. Um, and we did a, we kind of did like a silent pilgrimage down the hill. And then we joined the people that were there for the day and had a ceremony. Because the statistic I heard is that there were like 300 people of color in the room, um, which might have been the largest gathering in a, you know, convert Buddhist insight community. Just felt like there was so much love in that room. I can really remember that tan tangible feeling of like, this is just a field of love. And I'm so grateful that Noli invited me to this retreat. Uh, this team is so awesome. <laughs> really feel like our You know, when there's harmony in the teaching team, it just, magic happens. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but there's not always harmony in the teaching team. <laughs> we might have to edit that out of the tape. <laughs> and the thing is that, you know, as a, as a retreatant, I felt that, like, when there's, like, it affects the field. So, like, it's so nice when, like, Everybody's easy, everybody's collaborative, everyone's like, there's a lot of love in this team too. And we've all, I'm meeting Jonathan for the first time, but all of us have intersected in different ways. Bruni and I have taught together and we all train together. And, but this is the first time that I'm getting to teach with my um, Dharma siblings. I'm so happy about that and so grateful that this was the place I got to do it.
Thank you all for that. So I'm going to... Really going for it. I appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah. If it starts to get chilly, please take care of yourselves. Okay, thank you. In a moment. (laughs) So I'll tell the the East Coast version of the story. (laughs) Um, This is also happening at Insight Meditation Society out in Barrie, Massachusetts. And I told you my story last night around coming to the BIPOC Sangha there and um, a person who always very easily assimilated into dominant culture space didn't even occur to me to be a part of a BIPOC space. I didn't think it was important. I didn't even know they existed um, in the early aughts. Um, And so I started going to BIPOC retreats, POC retreats, I think around 2007 or 8, something like that at IMS. Um, I practiced for a few years. And we had a really... um, So Newark Insight, um, where I began my practice and where I still practice, we had such a huge group of members that went from Newark Insight to Barrie, Massachusetts, that to this day they would charter a bus and take us up to Massachusetts. Um, So I began to be the bus coordinator. (laughs) And then, um, you know, after observing my mentor, Stan, who I mentioned after a few years and after he passed, I took his, I didn't take his place, but I I became the, the movement teacher on those retreats from 2011 till 2018. And I only went to that retreat. That was my home retreat. And I didn't even, I was like, what? I had Gina Sharp, Larry Yang came across the country each year, Bonte, you know, Bonte Buddha Rikita. Um, we had a really, really strong, like our weekly sangha was like 200 people of color at New York Insight. It was a really, really strong, powerful sangha. And I was like, I don't need any other people. Like, this is, this is great. Um, and this song goes amazing. We, um, we traveled to South Africa together to practice at Dharma Giri with Tanissa and Kitusaro. That was my song there. Um, and uh, I remember going to my very first dominant culture retreat. It was my 35th birthday. Wow, is that right? Yeah. I don't think I sat with dominant culture until I was 35. And I, I've been practicing for a long time before that. It's my 35th birthday. And it was a retreat where you could sit for seven days or just the weekend. So you start on the weekend and then people, you know, on Sunday night, you know, there's a little ritual, people left. And then who was left was staying for the whole week. And so my friend Sebenais, one of my sisters, was there and and so she's going through the ritual and she's bowing and and the three or four brown people that were in the room start 
And I was like, oh, they're all leaving. <laughs> and I looked around, and it was just me and Larry Yang in the room. This was in Virginia. So that was my first uh, retreat of sitting with dominant culture. And the retreat was beautiful. I loved it. You know, Tara Brock was teaching. Like, it was amazing. And after the retreat, people, like, gathered around me. Oh, my gosh, your practice was so beautiful, and you're so still. And that day when you're wearing that yellow skirt, that wrap, you know, the one that wraps? <laughs> that wrap yellow skirt with the print, and you were walking across the field doing your walking meditation. And I was like, they've been watching me. They were watching me because something told them I did not belong there, that that was not my space. And I was like, oh, that's, that's why we have BIPOC spaces. Because I wasn't... And that retreat, I was a black yogi. And on this retreat, I'm just a person practicing the Dharma. It's very different in the nervous system. Um. And uh, so Noli and I realized that we, we sat the same three-month retreat. She was in part one, I was in part two. So we overlapped by a day or two. We just kind of remembered that a few days ago in 2013 when there was this, the Lens Foundation gave a huge amount of money. So for the first time, a whole bunch of brown and black folks got to sit long retreat because we could afford it, to be honest. You know, I was really struggling at that time financially and... Um, and I was surrounded by my sisters and my brothers from New York Insight, Stan, who was an ancestor, was at my, you know, right behind my shoulder at the time, and um, at the end of it, Spring Washam and Bonte Butterworth here there, and Spring, Spring said, let's have an affinity group for, for BIPOC, you know, for people, people of color. We had been in silence, some of us for three months, most of, you know, half of the room for six weeks, and someone who we would very much invite into our BIPOC community raised her hand and made a joke. Well, what's, what's color? Am I a color? Which sounds very benign, but we had been in noble silence for six weeks, some of us three months. The white folks in the room thought it was hilarious, burst out into laughter. And all the brown folks burst into tears. It was so palpable how our experiences were so different in the world. Um, so that was, and after that, IMS instituted having affinity groups at every single retreat from that time on. Um, and yeah, so the BT Bad retreat, which I was also at for the... I know I, I hate the acronym, and I'm saying, the Buddhist teachers of Black African descent. <laughs> it was a gorgeous retreat. I was there, and at the time, like Bruni, you know, I had given up home. I had gone forth, and I had been living um, nomadically for about two or three years. Um, and so, whenever I landed, I was like, "Oh, this is my home now. Now this is my home." Like I felt like I was home abundant because I'm the greedy type. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> It's all coming to that. I was like, oh, you're homeless. No, no, no. I'm home abundant. I have homes everywhere. 
And so, and so the Buddhist teachers of black and African descent, I remember there was this one teacher who was um, in the Zen lineage, and he said, I thought I was the only one. So you're not the only one. <laughs> you're not the only one. Yeah. So thank you for keep saying yes to these retreats. Because the moment you stop, you start saying no, they, they cease to exist. So thank you for your generosity. I'm just having a <clears throat> transmission of this ceremony here. Something is cooking inside. So uh, I tell you as it arises in the mind, these two, these two, these two. And some, some experiences that they have been like landmarks for me in the practice. So first was to find this place. I had moved from uh, Puerto Rico to Ohio and uh, I, was raised, I, I was raised Catholic uh, from a very devoted uh, grandmother matriarchal lineage uh, in the family. And, um, and when I moved to Ohio, I found, I got this book from Jack, The Path with a Heart or something like that. And so a dear friend of mine was uh, having a very hard time. And she asked me to go with her to a day long in Kentucky with John Travis that's how I found the Dharma, <laughs> through a dear friend, and say, no, I have read this book, so I can go with you. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, it was like, sure. It's like, okay, whatever. And to my surprise, it just, it was like I found a home, and it was really confusing because there was all this transition, cultural transition. It was very hard. I think I was in therapy like five years for just, just of that cultural shock and acclimating here in the States. And so, um, so there, was, there was a sense of home, and at the same time, it felt so lonely. I say like, but how come I, there's this sense of home and at the same time, there's this loneliness. And so uh, when I moved to California in the late 90s, uh, 
the first thing was to find this book that I read and say, okay, Spirit Rock Center, let me see where is this. And, and I, and I uh, found out that, that Jack was um, doing a day loan at Mount Madonna. And so I went and I thought, well, you know, I've, this practice, there's something about this practice that touched my heart. So I may feel, you know, not lonely anymore. And so I would go to the retreat and I was the only one there with a little bit of color. And I just didn't understand it yet. It was just, um, there was so much pain around it. I knew that I felt so out of place, but it was just too much for this mind, this heart to hold. And Jack mentioned it, he's, he's, he, he, maybe you feel lonely. <laughs> he knew better than me at that point. And so through him, I think that I learned about these retreats, these PLC retreats. So I got here, the Dharma. The Dharma found me, and I got here. And, and then there was this sense of coming here and having that same experience that Gulu mentioned, oh, the Buddha and me. It was like, okay, because I came to the PLC retreats, but I also, and I also came to some, you know, some activities that were not, not BIPOC. And, but I, it was clear to me that there was something similar between the Buddha and me. <clears throat> he didn't speak English. I was like, <laughs> I was, I'm in the right place with the right person right here, even if it is a historical person. And, you know, their statue of the Buddha and, and you know, um, Mama, my grandmother was very devoted to the Virgin. So they were, you know, some similarities. I just felt like there was something holding me. Not only um, spiritual traditions, nothing was left out. The, the Virgin, my grandparents, my ancestors, they were all here. And I love that. There was a sense of loneliness, of looking around and be with people and like, okay, I just don't gonna, but there was something that I could, the fact that I could take everything with me, everything, the mess, the beautiful, the not so beautiful, it was really great in the midst of all this transition I was going through. And so the teachings, I found more of the teachings. And it just gave me such a solace and such, so it, was, it just resonated so much. And then when I came to the POC retreat, it was like this body, like, ah, like there was something, ah, like just relaxed in the midst of all. And it was weird because, you know, we couldn't talk. We couldn't hug, you know, of, you know. I come from a very physical family. And, and I just couldn't, you know, look at anyone. But, you know, when you pray the rosary, you're like this. So they were some, they were some things that would remind me of some other things, you know. 
And so I met the teachers of the PLC retreat, and I met Michelle. And it was like someone saw through me. I didn't have to explain anything. It was like, and I was not wrong. I was not good. I was was just in that suchness that I talked to you about this morning. And so... I found a teacher. And so I continued coming to the BIPOC retreats, to the POC retreats at that time. And I, it, just, it was just so clear. And I asked, I asked her to be my teacher. And so there was, there was you know, this transmission of the teachings. And their guidance, I I don't know how to, well, it's like having the teacher of the Buddha. And so um, I just committed, I just committed completely to come every year, every year, for many years I was here. Even if Michelle was not here, um, but most of those years, she was almost every year here. And I started going to Manzanita Village and met her partner, Ketrion, and both of them became my teachers. And, um, and so I started having a sense, a feeling of Sangha. I would come to these retreats, and now I say it because we're in the last day, <laughs> but I will leave without telling anyone. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do it. We get very concerned. We start looking for you. I would disappear. I was on my own. You know, I was, you know, just living a very independent life and trying to make it here. And so very independent. I don't have to tell anyone I'm leaving. I'm leaving. (laughs) The telephone I'm not going to talk about the telephone. (laughs) Year after year after year, at some point, I just realized I didn't need the telephone. Little by little, some knots started to unfold to, to just dissolve this entangling. And then at some point, I went to Manzanita and I left the retreat. And I get a call from Michelle and Catriona. And they said, we, we were very concerned about you. And it just hit me. It just hit me what Sangha was. It just opened me up. It was not even about me, but it was this sense of Sangha. Yes, we do care. Yes, we may not see each other every time. 
but we have your back. And that's what I was sharing with you all at the affinity at the LGBTQIA plus 2S. We remember these moments. We know we are here for each other in one way or another. So Sangha, Sangha started emerging. There was Sangha here, the BIPOC Sanghas, we will meet. But the and there was something still, you know, cooking. I, I don't know, there was something that, that it hit me. And then I got more committed, showing up, showing up, showing up. Calls and meetings, uh, people I, I have known, we still meet. We still talk to each other. Today was the graduation of Amico's daughter. Amico Mayeno, we, we practiced together for many years. Okay. Amico Suki. Suki was a, a celebration today on her graduation. <clears throat> so we start seeing how Sangha, you know, we become part of our families and we celebrate all these different things. So the teachings, the care, Sangha. And then at some point, <clears throat> there was this sense of going to BIPOC retreats and then going to retreats that there was very few of us. And I would feel this tension. Oh, do I have to be here? Do I have to be here? Do I, you know, do I belong here? But, and, and then what about this? And, and then there was this moment <clears throat> in which with the teachings and, <clears throat> and that sangha, that, that strength of the sangha, there was a middle point, the middle way, an understanding you can be wherever you go because now you have the Buddha Dharma Sangha. But you, and you have to come back to connect. And you need to remember where, where, is, where are your people. And then, as I remember and continue to come to BIPOC retreats, I'm like, wait a minute. I started caring for the history and the pain of other folks that were not BIPOC or other folks that were not part of, you know, white folks or <clears throat> however everyone self-identifies. And the anger, the confusion, the craziness. No, I'm not crazy. I'm just seeing the so my suffering, our suffering, and suffering of, of, of all of us. And so this is when this Dharma, Buddha, and Sangha just work together, just cooks. And when you're ready, it's like, wow, it's just amazing healing. And so here we are. So, thank you. We're a bit over time, but Jonathan's going to share, and then we're going to uh, do a um, dedication of merit. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, just... Memories coming to mind about what led me to my first BIPOC retreat. 
I think uh, I remember I was going through a, a breakup, and there was just something about that breakup that threw me into a PTSD storm and had my therapist on call like at two in the morning whenever I needed it. It was like, it was that kind of thing. And I was just saying, I need something else. And I just noticed that, you know, just checking the calendar and noticing when the next BIPOC retreat was and um, Spring Washam was the lead teacher. I was uh, teaching at EBMC and then also teaching yoga and mindfulness in the schools and in juvenile detention centers. And the retreat was actually full and I didn't want to be on the waiting list. So I was just like, okay, how can I get spring to get me on this retreat? <laughs> and then I just started like blowing up her Facebook messenger. <laughs> and I, was, I thought it would be helpful for me to go ahead and just give her my resume. <laughs> you know, this is how often I teach at EBMC. This is how many classes I teach over here at this high school. And I just thought that that would like give me some, you know, like help a brother out. <laughs> I'm down, you know. <laughs> and, so, and then spring would be going to the Spirit Rock staff and says, this guy really needs to get on the retreat. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I've been on... Um, retreats, non-BIPOC retreats, majority white retreats up to that point and just remembering, just feeling the, my invisibility on those retreats and just feeling the microaggressions and it'd be a nine-day retreat and I would spend like seven days of it managing my triggers. I'm like, wow, oh, this is so tiring. And then being able to go ahead and land in my first BIPOC retreat in that PTSD storm for, that happened for like three months straight. and was able to go ahead and show up at EBMC and teach and also teach, you know, in the schools. And I didn't know how I was doing it. It was just my mindfulness practice was like keeping me afloat. And then when I arrived here in this hall, sitting back there, um, you know, shaking, really shaking, and Spring had said something like, we're more than our trauma. And there was just something about that that just allowed me to go ahead and feel the mother of all my wounds for the first time in my body. And then cry like a baby the entire retreat. It was like something my body heart needed the conditions to be with all of you and all of us so that I can do that work. And I continually witness that. Um, and when I'm in this spaces with you all, that we get to go ahead and uh, create that, that healing for, for one another. Thank you for listening. Yeah, so let's let's take a break.
for 13 minutes. <laughs> we'll come back at 9.05. Uh, and we'll do some chanting, and we'll just kind of do a dedication of merit to close. It'd be wonderful if everyone came back. If you have the energy, we can all um, create some vibrations together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.